I remember being so hot, I had to like peel down to a t-shirt. And then fast forward an hour later, every layer and rain gear, and it was trying to snow on us. This is spring bear hunting at its finest. I just want people to spend more time in the real world. Dude, when I'm out in the mountains, I don't have to hear about the news and the media and the narratives. All the elk I've killed, man, like all of them boil down to grinding it out and staying in it, even when it just sucks and the chips feel like they're down. They're not. I do love fitness, but I also love elk hunting, and this kind of blurs the distinction. And this is my sweet spot. These are my people. Hey guys, this is Dan Staten of Elk Shape, and you are listening to the Wild Initiative. Remember, separation is in the preparation. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that says anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all, Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks, this is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, What's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, y'all. So hopping on to today's episode, super excited to have the one and only Dan Staten on with me. Uh, Dan is the founder of Elk Shape. And if y'all don't know what Elk Shape is, we'll we'll be getting into that a little bit. It's, uh, it's a really cool program. So I'm excited to talk with Dan. Thanks so much for hopping on the line. I'm glad we finally uh, got to hop on and do this. Yeah, man. I'm honored to finally get to kick it with you. We met a year ago. And we haven't really been able to stay in touch. We're both busy and uh, we're making time to do that today. So I'm honored. Yeah. Well, you know, that was, we were talking earlier and that was one of the cool things I think we both really appreciate about podcasting is it's people that so often that you've like met in an expo or an event or just in passing through friends or mutual acquaintances. And you never really get like to know them, find out their story or learn more other than, you know, what bow they carry or what kind of camo they're wearing or, you know, whatever you happen to see right there, you know? Um, And so it's cool being able to dig in with people. It's that's the best part about this. Yeah. We, we pretty much just, and this is probably true for everybody. If you get followed on Instagram, you can kind of keep up with people's highlight reels, um, but you don't really know what they're going through and their struggles because we all have those. We don't necessarily. Some people post about that stuff, but for the most part, uh, a lot of a lot of what we see is just highlight reels, and that's cool. I get it, but the podcast angle that platform's a little dig deeper and learn a little more 
and honestly, it's my favorite consumption of media while in driving. And um, like when I was, I just drove to Bear Camp a couple of days ago, threw on a Joe Rogan podcast, hadn't listened, I hadn't listened to a Joe Rogan in so long, I couldn't find him on iTunes. And I remembered he got a payday from Shopify. So I had to download uh, Shopify or not Shopify, but uh, Spotify. Spotify and, and uh, dig in. And it was really, the drive went by so fast and I learned some things and I, it made me think about some things and I'm super thankful for podcasts. I think they're, I think they're awesome. Well, it's just, it's such a, it is a cool platform because, you know, anybody, anybody can have a voice, which is not always the best thing, but it allows people to search out uh, what they want. And, and, you know, I joke, I joke about that. Yeah. Not being the best thing, but it is, but it is an awesome thing because even people that I think are complete jackasses, like that I completely disagree with, they have a platform, they have a voice and they can find their people or, you know, their people can find them. And again, you know, I'm, I'm very big into like create your own community. Even if it's around something I completely disagree with, you have your own community. You can apply those, those rules, those morals, whatever that your traditions within your community, let me, you know, build my own community and we can, we can work in how we do. And, you know, it, goes beyond that but i just think you know again podcast podcasting is one of those cool things to where everyone has that voice and there's so many i mean there's an infinite number of podcasts like even even in the hunting community uh not even not even counting the rest of the outdoors and and fishing just in the hunting community alone i mean i could probably within 10 seconds rattle off 20 to 25 podcasts that i'm subscribed to like yep and i'm sure you're the same yeah, I think um, this is the only podcast I've agreed to come on this month. Um, I, we, we were talking before you hit record, and I promised myself May would be my selfish month. Like, mm-hmm. So I'm a huge, huge spring bear hunting kind of guy. Always have been. It's really, uh, it's training grounds, man. Like I'm spending time in the mountains testing new gear. And I was just bear hunting for the last two days. And, and I would describe it as I was chipping the rust off of my hunting skills. Like I had four bears, four stocks, two of them perfection passed on bears, got right to kill zone. And then the other two bears, which of course were bigger bears, just completely screwed it up, made poor decisions, got, got winded both times. And, um, May is about Dan. I need to get like, I've done seven elk shape camps in the last nine weeks not one of those was in my hometown. So I was on airplane after airplane, hotel after hotel, mm. car rentals, Airbnbs. And I, I love the camps. I enjoy what I do with those. We can talk about those, but I need some time for me. And so I promised May would be that month and it it's not working out like that so far. I've been working more just because of responsibilities. But the point of all that is uh, there, I've had probably... And this isn't like a humble brag. This is just, this is what it is. I probably have told six people yesterday via Instagram DM. I will, I never turned down podcast. I never, I remember when I started mine and I got turned down or snubbed and it, it's, it's not a good feeling. And I don't care if you have a hundred followers or a hundred million followers. I'm going to say yes to your podcast because I, I feel like it's a good opportunity to help people and you get to know more people. I, I told six different ones yesterday, hit me back up in June. I'm not doing podcast in May. And they all were cool about it. So, and then if they don't hit me back, then that's cool. And if they do, and I'll do them then. And so just trying to be selfish this month. And it's, uh, it's a struggle. I, you know, again, we were talking, and I, I'm feeling that so hard because this was my, you know, I'm finally living here in Montana. You know, I, I moved out here and I'm like, I'm a Montana resident in time for bear season. I'm, I'm kind of going through some struggles getting my resident license because of, of this, uh, this car registration thing. But I'm like, this is my year, man. I can go after spring bear. This is my first time having a, a spring bear season as a resident somewhere. I bear hunting to me has always been super special too, because it was like one of the original things thinking about like kind of that, that manly stuff, you know, like dude stuff. It's like hunting bears, you know, that was just always like what hunting was in my mind. And so it's always been super special. So I was like amped for this bear season. And 
all of a sudden April's over, bro. Like what happened to this whole month? And I'm like, okay, I got about halfway through the month. I'm like, I kind of feel like April's going to be a wash because of some work stuff, but I got to make this month again, selfish for Sam. You know, this is is maze for Sam as well. And so I'm also not doing so well at that. You know, we're only, you know, we're already a weekend got three more three more left or so we gotta we gotta do better man we gotta do better i feel that yeah and it's i mean bear hunting is so cool i mean i don't want to sell it because i don't want it to become the next shed hunting (laughs) or the next elk hunting thing because those two things are blown out of proportion right now they're very hyped up people are into it and that's good um bear hunting for me has never been crowded i've never had to deal with hunting pressure it's just uh i don't know why I mean, there's people that do it, but they're usually, it's a weekend warrior type thing, uh, especially out in Northern Idaho. It's just not, I mean, th- you can bait. So a lot of people just bait and they're in their little spots with their food for bears and that they stay there. And yeah. uh, I like watching the mountains kind of come back to life. It's the snow line moves up every time I go back out. Uh, new things are growing. Things are greener. A hillside that you could glass for, for sheds you can't glass a week later. It's already too green. The spring runoff, the rivers rising, uh, the, the total crazy weather in the spring. Like, uh, you have to wear layers. I, I was just out and I remember being so hot. I had to like peel down to a t-shirt middle of the day. And then fast forward hour later, every layer and rain gear. And it was kind try, it was trying to snow on us. And I just smiled because it's like, yep, this is spring bear hunting at its finest. And in two days, I mean, four bear encounters, I picked up a dandy elk shed, wasn't even looking, picked up a road shed and then caught some amazing, amazing sunsets. God bless bear hunting. And I don't even care if I get one or not. I just want to get out and get reset. And I told you before we hit record, it's kind of like, my give a shit meter just keeps going down and down <laughs> when I'm in the mountains as far as like all the stress of life. And then I'm, I've been home for a day and a half and my meters all the way back up. And I just don't think that's good, man. It's yeah. It's like, we have all this stuff coming at us and, and I've talked about that a few times where it's like, you just need to get out. Even if it's not for hunting, you know, just, it doesn't always have to be for a reason. Hunting makes it extra special. And I think it, it winds that meter down even quicker, you know, when you're, when you're out doing that, but just getting out and away from things and, and resetting yourself is the most critical thing in this world. And I don't know, I think sometimes when, when we've got so much going on, you, you delay your times out in the woods because you like, you have to make it perfect. Like it has to count. It's like, okay, I only have so many times I can get out because I'm doing all these camps or this or that or the other. And so if I'm going to go out, it better be for a reason and I better be fully prepped. And I think we put so much pressure on those times that we don't take advantage of the other times that we could be resetting that meter and, and refreshing ourselves as people. Yeah. And it's important in this day and age because you can be consumed with all the distractions and that's what they are. They're super distractions at the end of the day. Like what really matters for me is faith and family. Everything else is just distractions. So getting that reset um, and then communicating that with your significant other. Like my wife knows that I'm going to get with her June, July, August. I'm going to be super present all summer long. I've kind of reprioritized my life to figure out how can I keep interested in her things that she's passionate about and show interest and tip the scales so that it's not all about me. Cause it could easily be about me and hunting. Cause it has been before I even met her. Like mm-hmm. I had a pretty strong precedent of work and hunt and repeat. And so this time of year, she will get a better version of her husband when he comes home on these little quick bear hunts, because get a little time to think, get some clarity uh, bear hunting is not super action packed. If you're going to, if you're doing it proper spot and stock, you're on a master vantage glassing all day, picking ticks off you left and right and <laughs> trying to find bears that you can actually make a play on. And in between those sightings, a lot of time to think and reflect. And I don't think that gets talked about enough, but 
that's why I find it super special um, because I know that I can reflect and come out the other side with my head on a little straighter, with my priorities a little shuffled to where they make more sense. Well, I think you you bring up a really important point there and I've kind of half touched on it uh, with other podcasts, but going out of the woods, it's not that you're being selfish necessarily to you. Yeah. There's some selfish aspect of it because it's something we love and it refreshes us, but it's not just this selfish thing, like taking time just for yourself, but when it brings you back, you can, you have the ability then to be more present, be a better version of you when you're home. Whereas, you know, if you weren't going out and doing this, you, you'd probably be a lot more high strung, irritable, uh, you know, with the time you are spending, you may be spending more time with your family. Uh, but is that time as valuable as the time you spend when you come back refreshed like that? And I think, I, I don't think people ever think about it that way, calibrating themselves. So they're more, more effective when they're at home, whether that's with work, more present with family, whatever that happens to be. I know. And if you love the outdoors, Go get outdoors. It doesn't have to be hunting related, but it sure beats Netflix or whatever you watch on your device. Uh, I just want people to spend more time in the real world and get like, especially like, dude, when I'm out in the mountains, I don't have to hear about the news and the media and the narratives. And I mean, I never thought about vaccines for four days. Um, Super great. Like, mm-hmm. not that I'm huge into politics anyways, because I'm probably not at all. And, but I just get annoyed with uh, the same news cycles and just taking a break from that. So good for people. Go outside, go hike, go find out where the snow line is. Go look for, for sheds or go do some mushroom hunting and get some morels or whatever your thing is. But uh, just getting outside is so so important for our health. I don't think we were designed to be inside four walls with a little three by five screen in our pocket, always chirping at us with notifications about stupid shit. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah, just get outside. Definitely. So how did you get introduced to the outdoors? Like what was your, what was your introduction to all this? What got you started in this world of hunting? Mm pretty basics like our protocol like standard dad took me grouse hunting we lived out in the country followed his footsteps in the woods watched him shoot grouse begged him begged him to take me deer hunting with him cried a few times got got the victory he took me loved every second of it um got hunter safety card when i was 10 in washington state got a rifle Started hunting, shooting grouse, uh, deer, killed a pretty good buck when I was about, oh, sixth grade, seventh grade, um, then completely stopped hunting. Uh, we moved into town, got involved with sports and sports kept me busy year round. Um, hunting took a back seat. I mean, we didn't even, we didn't even do like your classic weekend hunt once a year, just sports and, uh, graduated high school and was basically contemplating go play baseball at a small no-name community college on the west side of Washington or stay home, start my job as a personal trainer and get my undergrad. Decided to stay home, became got my personal trainer job, going to school full-time and was like, holy crap, I can go hunting again. Dad, do you want to go hunting again? And he's like, dude, yeah. And then (laughs) we just, and I've told the story before. So the shorter version is like, we went deer hunting. We lived, we lived in town, so we didn't have property to hunt. So we just went to public land and we did a scouting trip. Like we were going to go check out some of my dad's old haunts. And when we were in there, we saw, we found elk on public ground and we didn't know anything about elk hunting. We actually got back to the truck and, looked at the regs and found out that elk season was opening the following weekend uh, in Washington, like late October. 
So we like went down to the gas station and bought elk tags. And I think we bought like a Primos cow call bugle tube. It, it was pre Terminator days. I don't remember what it was. And a cassette. It came yes. with a cassette that of course we had a cassette player and we put the tape in the following weekend as we drove to go hunt elk and listen to how to make elk sounds. And all this audio was of course, like what you, what you were talking about. It was all audio from archery. So of course bulls are bugling and you hear yeah. these guys loud bows go off and they shoot and they, I smoked them. And, uh, that right then there, I was like, that planted a seed for archery. I was like, okay, so you're telling me these elk aren't going to be bugling in in the next hour, but they do bugle if we actually bow hunt noted. Well, that morning I elk hunted for about 15 minutes. We like literally hiked in to where we saw the elk. My dad said, why don't you set up right here? I'll go down here and blow on this call. 15 minutes later, a five by five bull comes walking by right past me. <laughs> and I shoot him like, with a 308 and I do, I mean I didn't even have to look through the scope. I mean he was just right by me. I shot him. And my dad walks over and he's like, "Did you just shoot?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Did you get a deer?" And I was like, "No, I shot a bull." And he was like <laughs> Anyways, I mean we ended up loading that bull. We we got a four-wheeler and trailer all like close and then we used like come-alongs and all these pulleys to get the elk loaded out whole into the trailer because we didn't know better <laughs> and we make it back to the truck and we get this entire bull elk in the back of my dad's truck and i mean we didn't know that you quartered them out and broke them down but long story short i think i was 20 when i killed my first bull and i was 21 when i was archery elk hunting for the first time and that just got the juices flowing i mean i had a mentor an uncle who who archery elk hunted and I put that in quotations because he he wasn't any good, but he he knew where elk were at. So I just kind of went with him. And I mean, you hear your first bugle and you do your first elk hiking workout where you chase bugles all day. And for me, I was like, I've pretty much found I found myself. This is me and uh, my personality and uh, the rest is history, as they say. That's wild. You guys, I, you you towed the whole thing out. <laughs> yeah, with come-alongs and chains and pulleys. Oh man, that is awesome. Yeah, so it's you know it's just that easy. Just uh, you know, pick up your first bugle tube on the way to the on the way to the woods. Um, you know, listen to uh, listen to listen to old Primo's cassette tape and uh, and give it a go. They'll just walk right out in front of you, right? Exactly. That's how it works these days. Yeah, that's you can exactly still it. still pick up your elk tags at the gas station. <laughs> nope, not anymore. Oh geez, man, back. I can only imagine when it was, I mean, you know, in all fairness, there are some play, I mean, like, you know, you can go to Colorado and hunt over the counter still for the most part, but man, uh, yeah, just roll down to the local gas station. Do you remember how much the elk tags cost back then? So the, I, in 2001, I think I bought my first Idaho elk tag as a non-resident. And I think it was like license tag. Everything was like 300 and change. And then for like, I think I ran that streak for, I can't remember somebody fact checkers. I'm sorry, but maybe five or six years later, they bumped it to, to four sixteen, which it stayed at forever until just this last year. And then they bumped it up to, I want to say somewhere between six fifty and seven fifty. Now I used to go to Idaho, buy my elk tag at a gas station, kill an elk, get it taken care of, drive off the mountain home go back to Idaho, buy my second non-resident elk tag at that said gas station and go kill another bull. And so I've killed like the reason why elk shape probably was so personal for me is because in 2001, I killed a bull in 15 minutes and then picked up a bow and didn't kill an elk till 2006. It was two, it was just four years of getting my teeth kicked in. And my first bull I killed with a bow was a nice bull, but it was in New Mexico. I still was going to Idaho and getting my teeth kicked in. And I did not kill an Idaho bull with a bow until 2009. So I killed bulls in New Mexico a couple of times, Montana a couple of times. 
but North Idaho was just, it had my name, had my number. And, uh, 2009, I finally shoot my first bull. It was a seven by seven. And like that feeling of delayed gratification is what like triggered the whole elk shaped lifestyle that I sell, which is hard work and delayed gratification and leveraging elk hunting. So I, I tell you that because dude, then I hit a streak where probably 11 years straight, I would kill two bulls a year, every year in just Idaho alone. And I could literally go buy a tag, kill one, come back to town, buy another tag. I can't even like, I'm lucky if I even get one elk tag in Idaho now, like it's a miracle. Like I had to log on December 1st of 2020 with everybody else, wait in line and get an elk tag and then feel super fortunate. So it's, Dude, things have changed. You know what I mean? Well, even in the past four years that I've been, I've been elk hunting. My first hunt was Idaho. And trust me, I know that I I know that feeling of Idaho, just sticking it to you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I remember even then, like, yeah, it was, it was a lot busier, but back in 2017, you still had the ability to pretty easily, like you could pick up an over the counter tag a month or two before the season like maybe by the end of the season, they would, they would probably be sold out of over the counter tags by the end of the season. But yeah, you could still a month or two before the season, go pick up your tag. And then while you were out there hunting, if you wanted to pick up that second non-resident tag, you could definitely still do that now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky if you know, you're waiting in line in December, you're lucky if you can pick one up. I think in 2019, that's the last year I hunted North Idaho. Uh, I haven't been back. And, uh, I killed a bull in Wyoming, like on September 3rd and I headed to Idaho and I had the rest of the month to hunt North Idaho with two tags. And, uh, the reason I remember this is because that was the first and only time I bought both of my elk tags for Idaho before the season started. I'd never had to do that before. And, um, sure shit, all the tags were gone just a couple days after they went on sale. And, um, it's never been the same since then. So 2019 was the last year I had two elk tags in my pocket that I purchased and I did buy them before the season. Now lucky to even get one. And, um, I don't even hunt North Idaho anymore. It's just because of the wolves and, uh, the lack of elk. Uh, It's just not what it used to be. And when you know what it used to be, it's just not as much fun to be honest with you. Yeah. I've got it. That's the, that's the one thing is once I probably get another elk under my belt, I have to, uh, I have to go back though. I have to go back to, to that same unit and, and hunt it again and put some real effort in there. Cause I, I still think it was a good unit. I just, I just had some bad luck with the weather that came in. It pushed the elk way down. Um, cause I saw a lot of sign, but it was all, you know, a week, week old or so. And, uh, a snowstorm blew in. I think everything just moved down to the, down to all the private, but what year was that? That was 2017. I remember uh, that snowstorm because it affected everywhere in the triangle. I called the triangle Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. And there were places in Montana where it snowed a foot and a half. And it did push all the elk down. And it actually, I remember I killed my bull in Idaho in, in 17, probably the first day that that storm broke. And that storm was here for days on end. And if you didn't have the entire month set aside, yeah, that could have landed right in the heart of your time off. You were wasting your time. Well, it was, I mean, it was wild. It was because it was like 60s and 70s for weeks up to that. And I was like, this is going to be great. The weather's going to be perfect. I'm at the perfect elevation. And I think it blew in like the day I was driving out. Um, and you know, we, were ta- we were talking, you'll have to, you'll have to listen, through, uh, listen through those two episodes about that hunt. But yeah, it's just uh, I don't I don't. What a way to right. start your first elk hunt is an unprecedented snowstorm like that. I I mean it affected everybody. Where I was hunting Idaho, I think the highest peaks were six six to seven. So we still had some decent hunting. Like it wasn't snowing at all the tiers of elevation. But man, if any elk were high, they came down and. And that just sucks. And then the brush was super soaked and it was Mm -hmm. just a wet September. But I will tell you that storm broke and I killed my bull like on the 19th or 20th. And then my dad, uh, 
my dad, I called a bull in for him the very next day he killed. And before that, it had been the most crickety, quiet, there are no elk here type of yeah. mentality. And it did finally flip over. But uh, that's elk hunting, man. You, It all can change in 10 seconds. And that's what you have to keep telling yourself when you're out there. Is I just have to stay out and I have to buckle down and get those, you know, and just stay positive and not just keep your head down and kicking rocks when you're walking on trails, but like know that there could be an elk around any corner at any given time. Um, it took me a long time to figure that out, but looking back, it's been a lot of days where it's just bad elk hunting and everything changes like that. See, that's, that's so important to me. And I, I, people are probably sick of me saying this, but I always talk about you, you don't have to leave the field to give up. You know, it's you can give up long before you leave the field. And it's those times when your head's down, you're kicking rocks, you're just kind of going through the motions. That's, you know, that's giving up before you actually leave the field. And uh, I think that's almost worse than going back to the truck because uh, you're just you're wasting your time at that point. You're not even getting getting some relaxation in. But um, yeah, it's always it can, it can all change in an instant. Like there've been so many times where I've been doing that. I've been kicking rocks and all of a sudden there's like a satellite that I would have been super stoked on or, you know, just a little bachelor herd or even, even a cow depending on the, you know, depending on where I'm at in my season um, that I would have just been super stoked to have, to have uh, put an arrow in, but yeah. Definitely just always got to always got to be paying attention because all of that can change in just an instant. It's wild. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of elk hunting or really any kind of hunting is, you know, you just, you have to stay out there and what you do in the off season can kind of dictate your capacity. And it doesn't just mean fitness capacity. It's a lot of like mental capacity between the ears. I don't like calling it mental toughness. That's not a thing. It's your mental capacity to withstand the negativity of shitty hunting conditions, lots of hunting pressure, wolves howling in every basin, and and just you run into hunters at every trailhead, and or the elk aren't talking, or what whatever you want to put in there. You have to be able to be like, all right, this is the I, I got a crappy hand dealt. What's the best play I can make with these cards. How can I stay in it and stay just grind? I can promise you out of the elk, all the elk I've killed, man, like all of them, almost all of them boil down to grinding it out and staying in it. Even when it just sucks and the chips feel like they're down, they're not because you cannot kill an elk from your podcast studio. You have to stay out there and push yourself in a position. And guess what? The second you leave the mountain, you're already like regretting leaving and trying to figure out what, what I could have done differently. So I always have this, like, I would, I don't know what I would call it, but just like this principle of have no regrets when elk hunting. Like, so if a bull pipes off across the Canyon, there's 20 minutes of daylight there will be a little voice that says, Dan, you have no chance to get over there. By the time you get there, it'll be too dark. And then you're going to have to turn around and hike all the way back out just to get to here. And you still have five miles to the truck. Don't do it. Waste of time. And then you have that other voice. that's like, Dan, you've been here before. You know that a lot, like the wind is predictable. The thermals are solid. You're in shape. Just go see, just go see if you can make it happen for yourself. Nine times out of 10, you actually make it there with just enough shooting light and really predictable thermals and you create a shot opportunity or you get create an encounter that you learn from or that you successfully pounce on your prey. I can tell you a time when I was in Arizona where Sam, I still regret to this day. I talked to myself. I, the bull popped out on the bottom of the canyon. I was glassing at a vantage point. I had 20 minutes of daylight. I knew it was over a thousand feet down. I knew the wind was predictable. And I talked to myself out mm. going and making a play on that bull. Cause I knew it'd be a really crappy thousand foot hike out. 
and the chances of me getting there. While I still to this day think I could have made it, the bull was by himself. It was in November. He was a great bull, and I didn't kill a bull on that hunt, and I maybe could have. Still think about this today. So I try to like have no regrets, <laughs> no, no regrets when you're elk hunting, man, and just effort. Just put everything you got into every opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, at least you can look back and go, man, I gave her hell. I gave her everything I got. Well, I think it's, if you, if you're, you're in that moment and you ask yourself, I, you know, it's a good question to ask when you're, you know, again, you hear that bull bugling across the Canyon or, or whatever it happens to be. It's a good question to ask, say to yourself, okay, if I don't get an elk this year, if I, if I eat this tag this year, am I going to be sitting and thinking about this moment until next September? Yes. Um, yes. If the, answer, if the answer is yes. And let's face it. Yeah. The answer is always <laughs> going to be yes. Um, but if, yeah, if that answer is yes, sack up and go do it. Like it, don't allow yourself to sit and think about, you know, ask those what if questions. Um, and dude, you don't make these decisions at a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like you're on day seven of maybe a six day scheduled hunt. You are definitely calorie deficit, probably dehydrated, but possibly homesick. Like for me, I'm usually solo. So you have no one to talk it out or keep you lifted up. It's you versus you. You have to make these sack up decisions like you just talked about at maybe 70% of your 100% capacity. Uh, very seductive, very attractive to fold your cards. It's a thing. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. So this, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, uh, this just, this is a good time, I think, to talk about elk shape a little bit because, you know, um, I, I feel like people, you know, they hear elk shape, they kind of hear about it. It's like, oh yeah, it's just a fitness program. But it's, I feel like it's it's more than that. It's, you mix in a lot of functional, it's not just about getting strong, but it's about getting, uh, also shooting. It's about those decisions. It's about, you know, that developing that mental capacity. So what, uh, tell us a little bit about elk shape, like what it is and, and kind of what took you from, okay, you know, you, you got back into hunting, what then inspired you to start elk shape? Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, yeah. So elk, elk shape is not CrossFit or doing thrusters and pull-ups, uh, very, very, very little focus on fitness. I'm selling you hard work straight up. Uh, when people, we, we, we do oak shape camps across the country, been doing it for four years. And that's the first thing I tell folks is like, welcome to oak shape camp. I'm here to sell you one thing. And it's just hard work. Like that's my love for elk hunting is it's deeply seated and just blue collar work ethic, sweat equity kills elk, nothing really else. Um, especially public clam bulls, but any type of bull, they don't want to die. And uh, I just thought that it was cool that I sucked at elk hunting for those five years. And every time the season would end, I, my determination level just kept going higher and higher. And I started making more disciplined decisions in my lifestyle because I wanted to kill a bull. Like I joke on social media all the time, that my only goal in 2021 is to kill a bull. And I started seeing people share that and use that same mantra, but it's kind of true. Obviously I have lots of goals in 2021, but like 
I do want to just kill a bull. And because of that, I can kind of figure out the rest of my life. So elk shape is a lifestyle. I'm selling you hard work lifestyle where you just leverage elk hunting because it's a gift. There's not a lot of things out there in this world that will like get you excited to jump out of bed and go do push-ups or go, go on a ruck or go wake up early and cook all your food for the day. Cause you want to show up to the trailhead come September with a purpose for every pound on your body. And you don't want to get divorced because you hunt so much. Um, and so you are purposeful and intentional with your family. Uh, so I just was like, man, we can leverage elk hunting to create the best possible version of everybody. And so I, that's what I've done is like elk shape is just a step-by-step program, how to leverage your passion for elk hunting to create the boss, best possible version of yourself. And it is through hard work and delayed gratification and discipline. And I know that's like almost cliche nowadays, but you just have to kind of live it. Um, and there are people that will go kill elk without being in shape, without shooting their weapon, without doing any e-scouting. Uh, and they'll do it once, maybe twice, but I doubt it. And that's cool. I don't, that's not for me. I want elk on the menu 365 which means I got to kill an elk every year. And so in order to do that, I figured out this formula of faith, family, fitness, elk hunting, fiscal fitness. And that's kind of what elk shape is all. And we cover all those things. Sure. I make workout programs and they're cheap and you can do them from home. That's not what elk shape is. And I talk about my finances personally on my podcast. And I tell people, Hey, Sam, I ain't a money chaser, bro. I'm not. I'm a time chaser. How can I have as much time as possible to do the things I love, which is basically bow hunting and um, just try to figure out how people can jump on board and leverage this lifestyle to live their best life. And uh, I just I just believe that elk hunting is truly a blessing. It's a gift. Don't squander it. So. Uh, you talk about the the elk shape camps. What uh, tell us kind of what happens uh, if somebody sign, was to sign up for one of one of your elk shape camps? Tell us what kind of what they can expect. So the very first one I ever did was in I can't remember. I think it was four years ago, but it was at the tail end of that year. And I was like, man, I want to do a camp where I help people crush the elk hunting learning curve because it's just it's a steep one and. I could do it in person. They could come to my gym. I owned a gym at the time. We'll do some fitness. We'll head over to the archery shop. I'll look at all their bows. I'll have them tuned and timed and we'll do third axis and we'll talk about arrows and uh, we'll do some shooting under duress drills. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll reach out. I'll have Dirk, my buddy, Dirk Durham will come over He'll teach him some elk calling tips and tactics. And I was like, Oh, I'll call Ryan and Lampers. He can come over and we can, go over because Ryan just loves the backcountry man. And he's a foodie. People don't understand what level of foodie he is. He's mm-hmm. like, he's a foodie and he, I've hunted with him. He really performs well in the mountains and recovers fast because of his nutrition straight up. And I'll bring Ryan in. I'll have him do backcountry food. And so dude, I just posted like, I think of something on my podcast, like, Hey, I'm going to have registration cap it at 20 registration goes live Friday at this time and it sold out like that and people flew in from all over the country and i was like wow this is a thing well fast forward four years now i since then sold my gym and i was like i'm gonna do elk shape full time because i do love fitness but i also love elk hunting and this kind of blurs the distinction and this is my sweet spot these are my people Mm -hmm. the rest is history man so 2022 we're going to do only four camps uh, we did seven this year and I didn't like being gone from my family that long straight up. So bigger camps, we're going to allow 50 people at a camp. Historically, we've allowed 30. We're going to do 50 and I'm going to bring my entire team, not the team that gets broken up, but my entire team is going to go to all these camps. There's going to be four of them and they're going to be three days and they're life-changing. It's I basically... I'm going to show you my card, Sam. I disguise it as an elk shape, elk hunting camp, but it's actually, I'm going to 
it's a personal development camp. You're going to mm-hmm. come out the other side um, with everything flipped upside down and you're going to be on fire, ready to make your life the way you want, the way you would like to see it. And that's, that was the vision. And that's what we actually do now. You're, you're dangling the elk hunting. That's kind of the bait. You're just, yep. you're swinging it in front of people. And once, once they bite, you set that hook and make them better people. Uh, absolutely. This last camp we did was in Utah, arguably one of my most favorite memorable camps. We had the right mixture of people and facilities and amenities. But I look back at that camp and I'm like, what made that camp so powerful was that, yeah, probably 21 out of the 30 had never killed a thing in their life. Oh, wow. And by the end of the camp, we have people advertise, what are they going to stop doing? What are they going to start doing? What are they going to modify that they're currently doing? And every person went through their stop, start, modify, and not one person mentioned a thing about elk. And that's when I knew we did a good job because I had guys that were going to stop playing video games. Yes, grown-ass men playing video games till two in the morning, barely waking up to, to go to work the next day and neglecting his daughter, his wife. He had shitty relationships and he was selfish and he was fat and soft and mentally weak and he couldn't shoot a bow for shit and he never killed an elk. That guy was crying in front of a group of peers and sharing his heart that he was going to make changes. And come to find out, just found out yesterday, he got rid of all his video games. He got rid of all his excuses. He's spending more time with his wife. He's shooting his bow more. He's got an elk tag. To me, that's worthwhile work. That's, that's what I wanted to do with my life was to help other people find their best possible version of themselves. And it's, yeah, it's dangling the elk hunting carrot. I mean, I tell these guys, I don't care if you ever kill an elk, but I do. I actually do care. I want them to kill an elk. <laughs> um, that's kind of my business model was to help them teach, teach them how to kill elk. But I do want them to like look back at that uh, experience at elk shape camp and go, that rocked my world. That made some significant impacts. I'm coming out the other side and I'm going to live a better life. And that's important to me. See, that's so cool too, that you get to see that follow up because so often, you know, I've been, I've been there, I've seen it and I've done it to where you go to something like that and you're like amped, you know, you're around a bunch of like-minded people or, you know, you get that momentum going and you're stoked. You're going to make all these changes and then you get home and real life hits and you know, you're not surrounded by that energy necessarily anymore. And it's really easy to let that fall by the wayside. And so it's so cool to, it's so cool to see that follow up and see when like people actually follow through and, and keep that momentum going. we need a, we need accountability, Sam. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know about your circle, but mine gets smaller and smaller. The older I get, I do not have time in my life for anyone negative. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for anyone in my life. That's not going to challenge me and see through my bullshit because I have plenty. And I feel like that's how you leave an experience like elk shape camp. And you kind of, you know, go through, clean up your friends list. Like you would on Facebook. You got to oh, yeah. clean up your friends list. Well, I'm do that in real life and just get your circle tight and supportive. Um, I'm sure there's reason, plenty of reasons why you, you moved to Montana and I'm pretty sure you run in a pretty tight circle and look what you're doing with your life. Mm-hmm. That's so, I mean, that's something that's really core to me is I, and I've done a lot of that over the past few months is, really tightening up my circle. And I mean, it sounds negative, but it's kind of a positive thing, really cutting out some people that don't add value to that. And I mean, kind of funny enough, speaking about my people I consider to be part of my circle, uh, you posted up, you had posted up a picture. I think it was you shooting or instructing or something. And I, I looked at the video or the, the picture. I'm like, Hey, that's my buddy Clint in the background. Uh, um, my good buddy, uh, Clint McGinnis. Uh, he was, no he was at your camp. Yeah. I, I absolutely love him to death. And it's just, it's one of those kind of small world, small world things. Uh, but yeah, it was just funny seeing, uh, I, I consider him to be, uh, uh, part of, part of the circle. And I don't, I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, but, uh, Clint, if you're out there, Hey, <laughs> giving you some love. How did you get to know him? Because he's actually worth talking about. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I know him through actually another guy I've had on the podcast that a lot of people are familiar with, with uh, Ryan Mickler. I, I part of Ryan's uh, mastermind group. And so through that, I met Clint and Clint and I connected um, really early on. Like when I kind of first joined and didn't know anybody, we just connected over hunting and shit talking. And um, <laughs> he's you know. pretty good at that. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so it's uh, I, I've met him through that. And, you know, there's definitely I mean, there's like 900 dudes in that thing at this point almost. And so you, you can't really connect with all of them, but there's always a few that, that kind of stuck out. And anytime I'd be at, down at hunt expo or I'm down Utah way, like we've met up a couple of times, especially back when I had my big old beard, you know, we had that in common, mm. but, uh, <laughs> you're, you're speaking my language. I had, um, yeah, Mickler texts me today. We've been going back and forth trying to connect. I don't know him. I don't know anything about what he does. But now I've met you and then I met Clint and you guys have both been impacted by what he's preaching. Yep. So I'm excited to try to like connect with him and, and figure out what he's all about. I have never listened to his podcast. I've never read his book. I just know that he likes shooting a bow and so do I. So we're yep. probably automatically friends, but your boy Clint, man, he, yeah, he's the guy that gave me my tattoo nice. when I was in Utah and I had picked him out. Like he signed up for camp and reached out early on. And I knew that he was a good tattoo. I looked in and did his work and I had this tattoo basically lined out for the last two years and it's nothing complicated. It's just an arrow, but I've, I already had an existing tattoo and I wanted to create an arrow tie into that. Mm -hmm. And he, he just says, well, dude, do you, do you need a tattoo or anything? Which is an odd question to ask somebody. (laughs) And I was like, well, actually I, I'm coming down a day early and I do want to get this tattoo. I just haven't made time for it. I go into his shop, super nice guy. He Dirk Durham's there and Jeff Bynum, my buddies. And yeah, and we're literally just speaking of shit talking. That's all we do to each other. So- I can with that crew. I can only, cause I know, I know Dirk and Jeff as well. And I can only imagine your Lord. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Like if you, and so I don't know what Clint thought of us, but he, Clinton didn't, he didn't get a word in. He just tattooed and we just shit talked and made fun of each other for two hours. And I didn't even think about it. Clint shows up to our camp Friday, does his thing. I'm here to tell you by the end of our camp, we give out an award at every camp called spirit elk shape camp. And that's just the person that is the spark plug to everything at camp and has the best vibe energy, attitude, effort, like everything. That was Clint. Clint won Spirit Elk Ship Camp. Without Clint at that Utah camp, it would not have been the same. He was so pivotal to getting everybody. And maybe it's because he's part of this mastermind that you guys are, and he just knows, but he was in your face. He, it was like having another Dan there, but just one with a really good beard. <laughs> and he was in the camp. He won every challenge we did. He won like shooting under dress contests and fitness challenges and, and he didn't let anyone slack. Um, I'm glad you brought him up because he should listen to this. Clint is an amazing human being and he blew that camp away. I should have paid him to come to that camp straight up. He was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I am very inspired by him. I don't know if he makes them public or not, but he and his lady on Facebook, uh, it's like once a week, it's like Fridays or something. Uh, they they do like the Friday because his Instagram handles I am Radness and his wife says I am like I am Mrs. Mrs. Radness or yeah. or just Mrs. Radness or something, and uh, so they do like once a week they do Radness talks, um, which I really think we should bring back the word rad. It needs to be used more, but I digress. Um, but they do they it's just like him and his wife they sit down and they just talk about important shit in life. And I, I need to look. I don't know if it's on his Facebook profile. I don't know if it's public or not, but uh, we're Clint's we're, we're, we're starting to like blow up Clint here. Uh, he's going to be like, man, my, my like viewing numbers have like jumped way up. <laughs> uh, he did it to himself, man. It's yep. just, he's a good, he's a good egg. Um, and I think that's so cool that you guys have that connection. That means that, yeah, you get it. And uh I don't know. It's a small world. Oh yeah. It's, it's really wild. Like even 
uh, I'm doing, doing a lot of bladesmithing stuff now. I'm like getting in knife making and even out in it. I think it's just Utah also. It's like, you know, one person in Utah, you know, everyone in Utah to a certain point. Um, and there's a, there's a, a bladesmith down there and there's like the whole tie in with that, uh, with Clint there as well. And it's like, it's this whole just weird small world where all of my different, like from the different things I'm into and the different things I experience, like they're all tying together in a cool way. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that's like how I wanted my life to be. Like I, I've got all these interests and it's cool seeing them all, all tied together. But so um, we could, we could go on for days about this, but I think uh, I, I'm not Joe Rogan and nobody's going to listen to, listen to me talk for three hours, but uh, <laughs> um, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if in, in all your time, like, uh, like doing elk shape and, and all of this, like if you've learned, you know, a couple things about elk hunting, like if you were to distill like what elk hunting is, is to you uh and like what you would want to share about it with people what what would that be that's a great question because you could take it so many different ways um i feel like we've already kind of hit the personal development side of elk hunting so straight up tactical side of elk hunting strategy to actually nuggets that people could actually get away maybe they tuned in to actually learn something about elk hunting is here's the deal uh, elk hunting is hard and you are signing up to basically be tested every time you go out. And if you're not fully prepared for elk hunting to be a process, you might be let down. So I think the most important thing anyone can do before elk hunting season, whether it be their first, third or 10th, or like me, I'm going on my 20th is to clearly define what your expectations are for yourself, for your team, your hunting partner, and define what success looks like for you. And it doesn't always mean a tag punched and elk meat on your back. It depends on where you're at in the curve and the journey. So if you're brand new, um, like Sam, you've, you've killed one bull for sure in the background there. Have you, is that your only bull or have you killed a couple? This is my first bull. I've been hunting for four years. Finally nailed this one in, in Arizona uh, this last year. Okay. So side note, four years. Can you describe, can you bottle up the feeling that you felt walking up to that bull after four years, getting your teeth kicked in? I, I don't think there's even words for it, man. Like exactly there isn't. And so yeah. that my friend is the stuff that is the juice, that is the squeeze, that is the things that make me tick, that feeling. And that is truly delayed gratification. So like someone like you, Sam, okay, you've had success. You've done it. It took you four years. Will it take you another four years to get your next bull? I probably don't think so. I think you went through the hardest part, learning elk behavior, biology, understanding navigation, terrain features, um, and, and really what makes an elk tick. So a lot of what I do to kill an elk is basically understanding what the elk are going to do before they do it. And guess what? Regardless of the state or where we're at, they're pretty predictable. Elk are pretty similar. They have similar interests no matter where they live. They got things that they need, things that they like, things that they're going to do. They have similar verbal language, well, body language. So the biggest thing you can do is just get reps in the field and understand elk. 
And then you just complement that with clearly defined expectations and goals Define what success means to you and go from there. I'll be honest, straight shooter guys. I will not have a successful year if I don't kill an elk. Like I'm at the point where I need to kill a bull this year to be, to have success in the woods because the I've done it so long. And when I say I'm going on my 20th year of elk hunting, bro, this is my 20th season of all of September, not like a five day or a 10 day hunt. Those are days. Most people that say they've hunted for two years, they probably have 15 to 20 days tops. I have 30 days and it's just something that's time is a killer. You need time to do it. And so if you wanted my nugget for elk hunting, it's just to stop before the hunt and understand that if you're new and you got into elk every day of a seven day hunt, dude, you you had a successful hunt. You learned every day. You had encounters and you just shortened the learning curve and it's a process. Um, and so I think that's the biggest takeaway for people is to look at elk hunting as a journey and not just the, I got to kill something or I suck. Cause that's not true. So if folks uh, wanted to find, uh, find the elk shape camps, wanted to listen to the podcast, want to just follow along with what you're doing, where, uh, where are all the different places folks can find you? I'm at all the places. Just people are pretty smart. Like, Elk Shape on IG, YouTube, podcast, website, camp stuff. The 2022 camp stuff doesn't get announced till summer. But like I said, I know I know where we're going. We're going to PA. We're going back to we're going to Texas. We're going to the Bow Rack, Wayne Endicott, uh, which is going to be super dope. And then I think we're going back to Utah. So four locations, pretty central spots, get some and yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. I, I really enjoy talking to people and getting to know them better. And, and I can tell Sam, like you're on the cusp of a breakout season. You know, you're going to get your Montana tag residency. And then I know you love archery and you have six weeks to do it. I think you're going to be able to put everything together and uh, you'll probably be looking for another tag once you punch your first one. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I've been getting, I've been getting frustrated with like, and, and kind of down a little bit about not getting out. And so I was kind of, I've been like losing my mojo and that momentum and like just talking with you and ha- and recording this podcast. Like I'm, I'm back at it. We're like, shit, ah, I need to get back out. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like amped up again. You know, it's, it's some, <laughs> sometimes you just need to have that good conversation to kind of get your, get your engine running again. And uh, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked to stoked to get back out and and go chase some bear this season and then, and start, start prepping for elk in September. Yeah, I, I feel that. So, well, good luck, man. Um, bear season's uh, for you. You might live in one of the best bear states out there. Go take advantage, especially oh, where you God. live. I mean, I don't know if people know exactly where you live, but I do. And you're in a darn good spot, any direction you want to go. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody, I, I'm out in Belgrade just outside of Bozeman now. And yeah, pretty much any direction I, I can, I can look, uh, we'll do that mountain range today and walk out there and there's, there's going to be, there's going to be a uh, big old black bears out there. So I gotta, I gotta do that. If nothing else, I don't even need to like, I just need to get out. Yep. Like we like we were talking, I just need to grab the rifle, throw on the camo. Like it, it does. I don't have to do all this. It'll help, but I don't have to do all this e-scouting and prep work and find the perfect spot and the perfect. I'm not going to shoot it from here. If I'm walking down a trail with my rifle, I'm a lot more. Who knows? Who knows what I'll see at that point? But at least I'm out. So I'm amped. I'm reinvigorated. I'm going to do this shit. So love it. Awesome. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 201. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Big thank you to Dan for hopping on, taking the time out of his uh, May that he has reserved for himself to actually sit down and record the podcast with me. Also, make sure y'all go subscribe to the Elk Shape podcast. Check out those Elk Shape camps. Uh, they are are really amazing. Again, they're great for those of you that want to get into elk hunting, but you know they're just great for. Uh, 
everyone that just wants to improve their life in general. But y'all, that will do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.